Hello and welcome back to Deplorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore. I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Staples. And this week we are here to talk to you about pirates. Yar. Yar. Billy, somehow I doubt that many of our listeners don't know what pirates are, but for the sake of the consistency of our format in this show, care to give our audience a rundown on the privateers of the sea? I think I think all privateers are of the sea. That's not the point. Carry on. Pirates, at least in the classical sense, because we still have pirates to this day, the ones we're talking about typically wear ragged clothing, maybe an eye patch, a peg leg, a hook hand. Often they wield a flintlock pistol and a cutlass. They have their ship and they plunder other ships for treasure. Yes, uh, their aesthetic is largely due to the you know fact that the majority of the pirates that we dealt with or that we're used to, at least in popular media, circled the seas around seven, this 1700s to the mid to late 1800s-ish, yeah. which is how you get uh, a lot of that aesthetic. How was researching pirates, Billy? How'd that go for you? It went, it went interesting because there were several times where in the middle of researching, I was just like, man, I really want to play Sea of Thieves now. <laughs> And so it started, you just started taking uh, taking some breaks. Yeah. I gotcha. One thing that I, one small fact that I, that I read that makes a lot of sense in, in popular media, we often depict pirates as burying their treasure that they've gotten. And then at some point in the future, coming back and digging it up or it being dug up by someone else. When in reality, that didn't happen. They just used that treasure to buy Rum and other piratey things. Piratey things. To be fair, I don't know how else you would really describe it. Uh, but yeah, no, the a pirate's riches, I'm sure there are good reasons behind the or like the mythos of pirates burying treasure. Just a little brief research into it, honestly. It seems like uh the uh Robert's Stevenson's 1883 novel Treasure Island was a popularizer of the myth. And honestly, who doesn't like a good a good treasure hunt? Like a good story yeah. about buried buried gold and adventure and like there's a lot of romanticism to it that of course that's going to take off. It's like asking how did the legends of space wizards get started? You know. Yeah. Uh so Billy, I from what I could hear of our very brief discussion of our research beforehand, which we don't normally do, I just needed to clarify which one of us was going to be talking about, you know, that one pirate. Yes. H how did your research go into pirates as far as, like, real pirates versus fictional pirates? Because there's a lot of pirates out there that are um, completely made up. And a lot of very famous ones that are completely made up. And a lot of people out there who may or may not actually realize that certain pirates are made up. I try to stay with realist with real pirates. Okay, same. That being said, I can start pulling facts from Pirates of the Caribbean, the Disney movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody can. That's a good branching out from our previous episode, actually. With my, uh, I restrained myself, but with my obsession with the Crunchiverse, 
I was exceedingly tempted to dive into the research on Jean Lafitte. Uh, who is the real-life inspiration for the fictional antagonist of of the Captain Crunch serial mascot, uh, Jean Lafoot. But again, I, I restrained myself. I did not focus a ton of my research there. But then I brought it up, and now I can't stop myself from typing it into Google. While you're doing that, I have another kind of small fact. I read this fact and had to, like, I I read it, and then kept going and then stopped and was like, wait a minute. No, that actually makes a lot of sense. Hold on. The high-ranking officers have private quarters. So you got the captain's yes. cabin and all that. The rest of the crew slept in hammocks. Yes. Which, when I when I read that, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, I could. I, that makes sense because there's not going to be that much room on a ship. So you got to right. figure out how to do, use that. And then I quickly, as I was scrolling past, I read hammocks were ideal because they actually swayed with the ship and made it easier to sleep. Oh man, that's a really good point. Actually, now that I think about it, I am sitting there thinking, well, no, why wouldn't they just use a, Oh wait, right. Cause waves. After I read that, I'm sitting there thinking, Oh man, laying on a bed and then just the boat hitting this massive wave and everything being shoved to the right hand side of it or in nautical terms, the uh, starboard side of it. I have a lot of experience using nautical terms because of Sea of Thieves. Billy, when talking about pirates, the question always comes up, who was the best pirate? Mm. And I think you have to ask, you have to stop when you hear this question. You have to ask yourself, what is he, what do you mean, best pirate? Billy, who would you argue is the most famous pirate of all time? Real, The m- most famous real pirate or the most famous real pirate, pirate in yes. general? Yes, I'm, I'm talking specifically okay. about real pirates, not probably. Fictional. Probably Edward Teach, otherwise known as Blackbeard. Yeah, see, I'd agree with you on that. I think Blackbeard is probably the most famous. You know who the most successful pirate was of all time? Hands who? down, no questions asked. Who? Would be Ching Shi. I Blackbeard Blackbeard in his heyday led around three hundred pirates. Yeah. You might have a better number than that, having done a little more research on, on Not Teach. for Blackbeard. I don't know. Uh, Ching Shi, in her heyday, uh, led between fifteen to eighteen hundred ships, manned by a total of around eighty thousand sailors. Yeah. Ching Shi took on literal navies and won single, like not single-handedly, obviously, but won every time. She wasn't killed in action. She retired. That's how successful a pirate she was. She started at around 1801, retired, and was offered amnesty by the Chinese government in 1810. Basically, the Chinese, she was so successful, the Chinese government had to say, please stop. Like, just please stop. (laughs) We'll, We'll forgive any crimes you did and not bother you. Just please stop being a pirate. Her outlaws got so, like, made so much money that she literally had to establish a network of land-based financial offices to handle the amount of money that she had. She retired around age, I think it was like roughly 44. She died at around 69. Yeah. In her in her later years, she set up a like a basic salt trading empire. She, oh gosh, Jingxi was a monstrously successful 
pirate. She she took prisoners. She actually did. She actually did take prisoners. There were yeah. Her so each of these pirates, like the more famous pirates, seem to have their own like well-known articles of sort of law on the ship. And hers were pretty simple. Anyone giving their own own orders, i.e., ones that didn't come down from Ching Shi, or disobeyed the orders of a superior, was beheaded on the spot. No one was to steal from the public fund or any villages that supplied the pirates. Any goods taken as plunder had to be presented for group inspection. The person who originally uh, seized the assets received 20%, and the rest was placed in the public fund. Actual money was turned over to the squadron leader, who only gave a small amount back to the Caesar, so that the rest could be used to purchase supplies for unsuccessful ships. One person reported that the punishment for a first-time offense of withholding uh, assets seized was a severe whipping. Large amounts of withheld treasure or subsequent offenses usually carried the death penalty. What I find interesting and important about how Ching Shi chose to lead was, I'm sure it wasn't great to be like under her command as of like a village, because you did need to provide like it's like it's like being under watch by the mafia. You yeah, know, you have to you have to provide a certain amount of your income. But she was very big on making sure that there was a pool of public funds for ships that weren't doing good. Everybody, you know, who didn't screw up was taken care of. Anybody who kind of broke this order of stole basically from the public fund got into serious trouble. This was this was a very uh I'm not going to say that Ching Shi was a good person. No, she was a very terrible, terrible individual who did a whole lot of murder. But she, you know, she also had a side of fairness that I think is is very commendable. For example, any um any pirate who forced himself on uh, one of their female captives was just put to death. Like there was no questions. Now, if it was consensual, they were both killed. But, you know, that's not the point. <sighs> Pirates are such a, a tough, tough nut to crack, so to speak. Because Ching Shi definitely took prisoners and slaves and, like, did a whole lot of very bad, no good things. But there are also moments where it's like, okay, all right. That's definitely earned you some points in the good aligned fund so that's the most successful pirate, I think, of all time. But let's hear about the most famous, because while Ching Shi was wild on account of the fact that she was so one like um, wildly successful and also was, you know, a female pirate, and I think we don't hear nearly enough about uh, women pirates. What got Blackbeard to be a little more on the fa- a little more famous? So two facts about Blackbeard. Uh huh. That I found. Mildly terrifying and interesting. The first one is he had an intimidation tactic that I've never seen before and don't want to see. I don't know. I think it's a good tactic. Like, I support this man. He would weave hemp into his beard and then would light it on fire as an intimidation tactic to make himself look demonic while attacking ships. This dude lit his face on fire to scare people. I heard I heard rumors that he like literally wove 
So you said you, you mentioned the hemp. I heard rumors that he would uh we weave fuses into his beard. So that this like this guy this guy was crazy. Another uh tale that shows how crazy Blackbeard was. He shot one of his lieutenants so that way the lieutenant wouldn't forget who he was. Oh boy. Just shoot a person to make his point. So we can I can talk about his flag for a minute. Yeah, let's talk about his flag, because I think that's, if I remember correctly, Teach is kind of the guy who pioneered the, like, the classic Jolly Roger. The classic Jolly Roger, we don't, we didn't really have a exact idea as to where it came from, but there's a few, a few um, ideas. One of which being there's a flag that's named, like, uh, Jolly Rouge from French, from over in oh, over yeah, yeah, yeah. French, which basically just made love, lovely red, and if the ship that you were approaching had that sailed... You were supposed to turn tail and run because uh-huh. they weren't going to leave any prisoners. Oh, boy. Well, Mr. Teacher over here decided, no, I'm not going to run any normal flags. I fancy myself a bit of a graphical designist. <laughs> so he made... Go and do some marketing and logo design. Uh, full, full disclaimer, don't know if it was necessarily him who made this, but it was his flag. Uh-huh. It was a skeleton... With horns holding in one hand a hourglass and the other hand had a spear pointed at a heart with three drops of blood. I love how creative some of these pirates got with their flags. Where's the one with the happy looking sailor and the skeleton? I don't know. Because I saw that in my research and I've forgotten who. Oh, here it is. Oh, yeah. Bartholomew Roberts. Yeah. Bartholomew Roberts. The guy who didn't really want to be a pirate, but did a really good job at it. (laughs) Uh, I like his little flag. And this one will go in our spoilers without context for anybody who hasn't already started following at Deplorable. Um, Bartholomew Roberts was a whole kettle of a whole kettle of beans, largely on account of the fact that he kind of became a pirate by accident. If you've ever seen The Princess Bride, the story of Bartholomew Roberts is oddly similar to how Wesley became the Dread Pirate Roberts in the movie, in that he was on a ship by the name of the Princess. It was a slave, a slave running ship. On one of their runs, this ship was captured by pirates who forced several of the crew members, including Roberts, to join the band of pirates, not the band like the musical band. Um, Although, maybe. Uh, Now, Roberts was a bit of a a bit of a navigator, like he knew what he was doing. And the captain of the ship, A, was not a very liked captain. And also, B, took to consulting Roberts about navigating. So when the crew eventually mutinied and took over the boat, they took a vote and they decided Roberts was going to be their new captain. Oh. And, you know, he wasn't like, he's like, why? I don't. (sighs) Fine. But after he started becoming, like, after he was captained, crowned captain, christened, he did begin to take on or take up the mantle of pirate with more gusto on account of the fact that he was fairly cruel, including burning down a slave ship because the captain wouldn't pay the ransom for the ship with, you know, all of the slaves still on board on that slave ship. Like, he wasn't great. But his flag is fun. I like his flag. Yeah, his flag is... It's kind of happy looking. 
I'm sure I'm sure in in his heyday it was a uh, look we've partnered with death but you know so the the first report of a pirate flying a Jolly Roger was actually Blackbeard with his skeleton stabbing a heart with a spear okay it wasn't until Black Sam Bellamy Edward England and John Taylor uh, three kind of no I wouldn't say well known but three pirates started using it Mm-hmm. on their ship and that's what slowly made it popular amongst pirates mm-hmm. aside from the people that had their own flags aside from Ching Shi there were yes. two more famous female pirates oh, by yeah. the name of Mary Reed and Anne Bonny mm. who disguised themselves as men because they didn't really get that far well, so so, we're, we're you, you dug in a little bit to the the cultural differences here. From what I understand, in in the time where Ching Shi was out doing her thing, um, there wasn't really the same amongst like the Chinese culture. There wasn't really the same taboo against women sailing that there is in that there was yeah. in the European side of things, and so. One of the one of the reasons why there there may very well have been a a good number more female pirates. They just all never gave up that disguise as men, or quite possibly just that was their like they chose to live as men rather than women for one reason or another. Which is is a large reason why people like Bonnie and not Clyde Clyde's that's a different thing. And Mary Reed and Anne Bonnie. Mary Reed and Anne Bonny, people why people like them would disguise themselves as as men. Yeah. But anyway, carry on. So they were somewhat successful pirates. They did a lot of a lot of stealing. Thievery, pirating. Thievery, pirating. At one point during their travels, because they often fought alongside each other, they started growing feelings for each other. And one day Anne confessed to Mary, Hey, I'm having feelings for you. And Mary went well, I'm a woman, and it was basically the Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other. <laughs> oh gosh, I that's that is hilarious that they both they worked alongside each other as much as they did, and they didn't know because of course they didn't know because like you know, it, it was it, that was a do or die kind of secret. There was one account where they were attacking a small settlement, and one of the prisoners commented saying. I knew they were both women because I could tell because of their abnormally large chests. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't going to, you know, say anything because. No, you don't. Because they're, they're literally criminals that will kill you. Like yeah. they're murderers. They, they eventually did get captured and thrown in jail where they staved off death sentence by claiming they were pregnant. Yeah, that that'll do. That's a that was a way to get out of some things. In the end, they did. They did die to a flu or a fever, mm-hmm. but the tale... The Spider-Man meme is certainly worth yeah. that story. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's 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 so hard to talk about pirates because you got to remember that they were very weaselly, scoundrelly scumbags that did a whole lot of murder and pillaging and all kinds of terrible things to a lot of people. But you also hear stories about like, you know these two these two pirates and like you know they had it they had it difficult because they were you know women trying to it's a case of milan women trying to make 
make do and and succeed in a world which is rigged against them was not friendly to them i do have sort of an uplifting little fact uplifting pirate fact let's hear it so pirates they they were fashion they i wouldn't say they were the most fashionable but they often despite what they had panache despite what society has deemed that they look like they actually just wore simple clothing except for like the captains or the high-ranking officers which wore more expensive clothing. Mm-hmm. However, one constant, though, they did wear earrings. Nice. But not because they were trying to look fashionable. Okay. Apparently, according to National Geographic, back then, sailors believed that applying pressure to the ear- earlobe would stave off seasickness. Hmm. And so they would, you know, if they were feeling seasick, they would pop in an earring. That's not the you case. Know- <laughs> Yeah, that's not. There's there isn't any real medical science that'll back that one up. But but motion sickness is a problem with the inner ear, so you know. Yeah, like they got close. I think it was by accident, but they got close. I I read that and I'm like, huh. <laughs> that's it's the same. It's the same like fun fact as pirates didn't wear eye patches because they had a missing eye. They wore it so that way one eye would be always adjusted to the dark part of the ship. Yeah. I remember that episode of Mythbusters. And now that after after I learned that, I in Sea of Thieves exclusively wear one eye patch. Yeah. It was like it was a really smart way of, of handling things. We gotta talk a little bit about Ned Lowe. Oh? Because Edward Lowe, who was sailing around 1721. There's something kind of interesting about Ned Lowe. You see, his articles... Let's talk for a moment about his articles of, of like, law. A lot of them are fairly normal. Uh, you know, the captain is to get this much plunder of, of the plunder, and the quartermaster is gets this this much, and anybody found guilty of, of uh, unlawfully taking up weapons... Or, like, to strike or abuse any other privateer without reason uh, will suffer whatever punishment the captain, the majority of the company, should see fit. Anybody guilty of cowardice during during a battle should suffer whatever punishment the captain and majority should see fit. Um, Stealing, punishable by the captain and the majority. Anyone who had such misfortune as to lose a limb during a during an engagement should get six hundred pieces of eight and remain aboard as long as he shall think fit. So, like you know, you lose a lose a leg in the uh, in a fight, you get a good a good chunk of change out of it, and it's like, all right, if you want out, let us know when. Whoever sees a sail first. Presumably of a boat that uh, they're going to get into a fight with. Uh, shall have the best pistol or small arm aboard that boat. So basically, the better your eyes are, the better the gun you get. Anybody guilty of drunkenness during a fight will be punished by the captain and the majority as they see fit. And quite possibly my favorite, no snapping of guns in the hold. Now, Billy, do you know what snapping of guns are? No. So, Billy, I want you to imagine for me a flintlock. 
Does it, does it mean like pulling the hammer back on it? I want you to imagine a flintlock not loaded, no powder in it. Okay. Imagine what would happen if you cocked it and fired it blank. It would just make the sound of the hammer hitting the metal. Yup, and send some sparks out. Oh, yep. I wonder how Wouldn't many ship. people did that to catastrophic results and how long it took for that to be made a rule. <laughs> because, like, when you had a flintlock, that was something that you just, like, you know, if you're just fidgeting with your your pistol or whatever, your flintlock, you can just kind of snap the hammer repeatedly and make little bits of sparks and it's all fun in games until somebody catches some gunpowder in the hold on fire yeah, and blows and then... the ship up. Now, Billy, after hearing these rules, what kind of person do you think Edward Lowe was? The mischievous, mischievous kind? Mm-hmm. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how uh, evil would you rate him? I don't know, probably 4.3. A four, like a 4.5? Yeah. Point, a, little less, a little bit less? A little bit less than 4.5. He once pulled out a man's still-beating art and made another prisoner eat it. Ah, so he's a solid 9. <laughs> uh-huh. He uh, was infamous for slicing captives' ears off and making prisoners eat their own boiled lips. Ugh. He once tied a cook, the cook of the ship that they they raided, to the mast and then burnt the ship down, saying that the cook was a greasy fellow and would fry well. Mm. <laughs> this dude was mean. Like, he was a nasty son of a gun. And you would never guess it from, like, his rules of how they do yeah. things. Like, they, seem, they seem like fair and understanding rules. You even get, like, a severance package if, you know, you get a severance on That's your the type leg. of rules that Jack Sparrow would have on his ship. Right. Like, it's it's reasonable. You know, you don't, don't fight drunk. Don't beat each other up, basically, for no reason. Anybody who does do a crime, it's not like instant beheading. It's whatever the captain and the majority of the crew think is a worth worthwhile punishment, which could go bad, but you know, Hey, at least it's democratic. Uh, but no, <laughs> Edward Lowe sucked. You were talking about no fights on the ship. There uh -huh. was, there was one common sort of rule amongst pirates, which was you never settled disagreements on the boat. You waited until you were on land. That so seems if you, fair. if you and a cr another crewmate, we're kind of having a heated discussion back and forth that would result in physical confrontation. The captain both basically told you, you told both of you, stow it until we get back to land, and then you guys can duke it out. Right. That makes a lot of sense, honestly, especially considering like if the situation wasn't that serious. Yeah, but if it was you just still like, you still ended up stabbing somebody or you know, you can get into a good bout of fisticuffs and, you know, give someone a good gash just by accident, pushing someone or striking them yeah. the wrong way. In that day and age, if that got infected, you're done. Like, that's game over. One of the biggest reasons in, like, medieval combat, or at least in combat where swords were still wide, widely used, one of the biggest reasons for death in those days wasn't actually blood loss. It was the infection that you were going to get.
because, you know, you want to talk about losing a limb. Basically, if a cut on one of your arms or legs got infected, like if it was bad enough, you your choice was cut the limb off or die. Yeah. Which I'm glad isn't our only option now. Gangrene was a very real problem, especially because you had like one of the main like one big contributing factor to gangrene is not keeping the wound like clean and dry, which is, you know, challenging on the high seas where there's no bath water or dryness like ever. Yeah. What else did you find, though, Billy? Anything of interest? I don't have anything written down. I got through uh-huh. all of all of that. But I can start pulling some facts from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> we don't need to we don't need to stretch for content. Although I like I do feel like we should briefly touch on the the topic of fictional pirates. Because honestly, pirates are so romanticized that it is Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow is a scoundrel, but he's the He's the kind of charming rogue type, right? Like he's an yeah. archetype of a character that he does some not nice things and he's generally a little weaselly, but he's a good guy. Edward Teach took slaves, murdered and pillaged. He was not a like he's a till of the hun, you know? He like he's not Yeah. Ching Shi had all of these, you know, not not Chingshi. Edward Lowe is like a really good example of this. He's got all of these rules that are, you know, like you said, Jack Sparrow worthy. He was not a good guy. You know, you know, in uh you remember the I can't remember exactly like it was what was, what did they call her? One of the pirate lords, right? Her she was Madame Madame Ching. Yeah, Madame Madame Ching. So Chingshi isn't actually this pirate's name name it's just what people call her what it translates to roughly is the widow of Xing. yeah ching being ching Shi's husband briefly. i have i do have in my brain case more knowledge about ching Shi. oh good i'm glad i'm glad we've got more the pirate lord from pirates of the caribbean was loosely based off of ching Shi. what what is what is this other information you got in your in your noggin floating around so she didn't just, she wasn't just, she didn't wake, wake up one day and was like, man, I want to command an enormous amount of ships. Yeah. She was actually commanding these ships alongside her husband, who, upon passing, basically as he passed on, he put Ching Shi in charge, mm-hmm. which is how she came to rule over an enormous amount of men. In my research, I got the numbers 300 ships with anywhere between 20,000 to 40,000 men, you have an entirely different number. Yeah. So what I'm talking about is during like the peak of her, like yeah. the height of her power. This is, this is after she's been leading the ships for a few years and like has been really starting to get rolling in her system. She made it up to, it was like 800 junks, which was the name of a type of ship. Yeah. And then another another couple hundred of a different kind of ship. Over 800 large junks and then a thousand smaller ships. Which a a junk... Uh, junks were the sort of Chinese vessel. It was... It had... Commonly had two sails. For those who might... Who... For those in our list... Of our listeners who's played Sea of Thieves, it's... It's sort of like a brigantine, except the sails are more curved. It very much has that uh, oriental sort of style to it, the way that yeah. those sails are. I wonder, 
I wonder what the story is behind how how they designed their sails. I'm thinking about um, like European sails, and they're basically just one big square of fabric. Whereas the like on these junk ships, the sails are almost they almost look like big big fins, like big ribbed uh, dorsal fins. Yeah, maybe it comes from their myth mythology. Uh, as far as I'm able to find in just a quick research, maybe maybe it caught wind a little bit better considering it's it's got a bit of a um, a curve to it. Cur- not curve is in like one, a piece of fabric being caught by wind, but curve is in like one end of it is longer than the other end. Yes. And if we want to go into boats, though, we can talk about the uh, the Spanish. We do not galleon. need to. We could have a whole other episode about boats. We do not need to go into into boats. I think. I think this is another this is another call to the audience. Yeah. Mostly because what we ended up researching were like were some of the more famous pirates. And I think I think honestly what constitutes deep lore in this situation are things like everybody's heard about Teach. They may not know all of the details and I think it's very crazy the way he like presented himself as this demonic sort of literally burning force but the fact that you know the most successful pirate that i can find mention of is ching shi and not only did she not like not only was she you know a woman which isn't necessarily no like it's not like it's not like women can't be women can't be successful it's just blackbeard is kind of one of the most if not the most famous pirate and he didn't even have you know a third of the total forces that Ching Shi managed. But the other thing is just that she managed to retire. Yeah. You don't do that when you do things like like go go as far as Ching Shi has gone. Edward Lowe, Ned Lowe, he did not retire. He got hung for his crimes and good. That's like I'm glad <laughs> that yeah. that man needed to die. He uh Oh boy. But I think I think because of how popular and romanticized pirates are, the deepest lore is honestly largely a matter of per of personal perspective, personal tastes. I think I'd call the the life of Ching Shi as kind of the deepest lore in this situation because I think it's the most I think it's not nearly as well known as it should be. But if you yeah. want to just look at the look for the craziest, less like least known thing. Ned Lowe, my guy, definitely uh, definitely made the list feeding people their own boiled lips. Out of, out of all the ways to go, I'd... Ugh. What about you, Billy? I don't know. Well, that's... I mean, that's that's about all all we have for today. Thank you all for listening. Um, please get in touch with us by email at uh, deplorablecontact at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at deplorable. We need topic suggestions we're not running to the bottom of the barrel or anything but i would absolutely love to hear what you guys are interested in listening hearing about and give us some give us some feedback tell us tell us what you what you felt like was the deepest lore from this episode or alternatively tell us some things we missed i know there are things we didn't talk about partially due to time and partially because you know we are imperfect we only have so much time to do research and stuff i i think that's about that's about all we got. Anything else to say, Billy? No, I don't really have anything else to say. 
All right. Thanks again for listening. And I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And you will hear from us next time. Bye. Bye.